Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode from the Geek Buddies. We're back at it again for another week of geeky goodness here on the channel for sure. And here on the show and brought we're brought to you yet again by Carbon Health here all month of November. And as we start here into the month of December, Carbon Health being one of our sponsors as well, I want to give them some love here and let you know Carbon Health is a leading national healthcare provider with a mission to bring high quality healthcare to everyone. Urgent care, primary care, virtual care, they got it all. They've got same day appointments in clinics or virtually, and they're committed to removing these traditional boundaries between you and healthcare. They believe that everyone deserves good health, and making high quality healthcare accessible for everyone is one of their big missions. They offer 90 clinics in 14 states and offer virtual care in 24 states. So a good place to go to find out where you can go and uh, if you've got an issue or if you want to get checked up or anything like that, carbonhealth.com. Go and see where the nearest center is for you to go visit and take care of your health. Super important to take care of your health nowadays, isn't it, boys? The Omicron variant, they just announced today, there's the first case ever in the United States and it's in California. Uh, this is the point to chime in, I think, between uh, the listen, I I just I'm having I'm having like variant malaise. Uh, are you over it? Are you are you is are you variant I'm fatigue? Not, is that what you're not that, I, not that I'm over it and that we shouldn't be vigilant and that course, we shouldn't be take care of ourselves and that obviously like it's not that, but like listen, I got COVID, I've been vaccinated, I'm boosted, like I'm 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 as I'm as I'm as I'm as strong as I can be. Yeah. And if I'm not I can always go to Carbon Health and make sure they got my back. But uh, but yeah, so I, I I agree that we should be safe. I just if there's one more variant, and they keep making them sound like Delta was like okay, Delta's not great, but Omicron sounds like you know a Cybertronian planet eater. And yes. I'm just like I'm afraid of what the next one's gonna sound like. Is it gonna be like the Mephisto variant? Like what's oh. gonna happen? Like I just can't like it's too many. It's too many. It's just stressing me out today. <laughs> 
Shannon, you're getting older. You know it matters to you uh, taking care of your health and whatever, all the things that you're doing. And like, what am I saying? Something that's incorrect? You are getting just, older. I'm just, sure. It felt. It felt like a jab. It felt oh, like a really? Jab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fine. You're not aging a day, Shannon, but still, you worry about your health. What would they? What, don't you think it's important? Of course, of course. And and knowing that we're not near the end of the Greek alphabet um, <laughs> makes me makes me sad with with other potential hey, variants that come. I really hate hate to see the day when we get to double delta. Right. Um, but yes, staying staying healthy very important, and it sounds like uh, Carbon Health can help you with that. Yeah, and absolutely. we're actually going to talk about uh, in one of our stories about a character that uh, didn't go to Carbon Health because they're not from this galaxy. But uh, they they their story gets to continue. Mike, he's way By out way. there now. No, no, no. <laughs> bring, bring him back. It's gonna make sense. I really love. Go. I really. I really love the let's. If only Boba Fett had had carbon health when he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Is where, by the way, we're the geek buddies. That's where we should take this. It's I appreciate true. it. I it's like it. Point. It was a good. Uh... Yeah. It started to feel I, like he was Sandra Bullock out there in gravity, just spinning around. I didn't, but you brought him back. Good job. Good maybe day. I'm getting sensitive in my older age. Maybe <laughs> that's what's happening. Oh. <laughs> they can help you with that too. Yeah. At some point down the road, Carbon Health will also start implementing some mental health services uh, going forward. That's something they're kind of working on and previewing and testing out and seeing if they're able to do that. So not just taking care of you physically, but also mentally as well, which is super important nowadays with all the stresses we have in our lives. And let's go, but uh, one of the things that helps you alleviate your stress or some of the, some of the ways that you all have told us that we've alleviated your stress in your life is this show making you laugh, talking about the geeky stuff. And that's what we're doing here today. Before we get into it, let's introduce ourselves. My name is uh, John Roca. I'm the outlaw here on the outlaw nation channel and one of the hosts and uh, producers here on the geek buddies, Mike. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and definitely could use some mental health. So that would be great. <laughs> and Shannon. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and uh, American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Nice. And I'm also a co-host of the Geek Buddies. There you go. There you go. Good <laughs> stuff. Good stuff. And for those of you who are joining us every week, thank you very much for staying on the train. For those of you who are new, thanks so much for trying us out. The way it works is each of us brings up a geek news story. We talk about it amongst ourselves, take a quick break, and get into our main topic. And our main topic, of course, how can it not be, is Amy Pascal's announcement this past Monday that there would be three new spider-man film starring tom holland and then the reaction to that a couple of days later trying to tamp down a little bit of the enthusiasm enthusiasms around this announcement that's going to be our main topic but i think shannon mcclung kicks us off here to start off the show with trailers trailers or more accurately tv spot tv spot oh. <laughs> we've got a couple of quick looks at some things that are coming very quickly they're going to be out in just a few weeks the first thing we're going to look at is this one minute tv spot for the matrix resurrections so when this project was announced you know nobody really there they weren't really coming out is this a reboot is this a sequel even i, I believe uh the the film's screenwriter uh co-writer david mitchell hmm. said that the film isn't exactly a sequel in a traditional sense though it manages to also contain the films that came before it so we don't really know what what this movie is going to be we just know that per the wachowskis uh the visuals look amazing yeah um this tv spot gives us possibly a little peek into what this movie is going to be about. I mean, you get the callback to the first film where uh, Keanu Reeves' Neo sees a cat and then sees it and he experiences deja vu. And I believe it's Trinity tells him a deja vu is a glitch in the matrix. 
and it happens when they change something. And that is the recurring theme in this TV spot. And it looks like this might be sort of the inciting incident that kicks off this next cha- uh, next chapter of The Matrix. But gentlemen, what did we think at this quick one-minute look at The Matrix Resurrections? Mike? Uh, I thought it was really interesting. Like, you know, sometimes when you get like a quick one minute look or a TV spot, you're kind of like, okay, this is kind of like the main trailer and they maybe added in a couple new shots, but they're sort of doubling down on that deja vu beat from the first Matrix Mm. and talking about that's when they change something, that's when they change something and take it all over. But then at the end of the teaser of the spot where they kind of say, well, why would you build new code off of old code? And they say, this isn't the story that we thought it was. It really is setting us up to be like, Whatever it is that we are assuming this movie is, which is, oh, Neo's trapped back in the Matrix or, you know, this is it. like I think that I think that a lot of our expectations are going to be shattered, that they are really going to try and pull a fast one on this, which, given my feelings about the second two Matrix movies, could be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, right. Like, like there's there's a I think that both I, I think uh, both uh, resurrect, not resurrections, revolutions and reloaded. Reloaded, uh, thank you. Um, I think have a lot of really, really awesome ideas in them, but I think sometimes bit off a little bit more than they could chew. And I really hope that with this one, they still tackle some big ideas, but I hope it's like a strong story. So I'm very intrigued because I think the deja vu angle of the first movie is something that I really always loved. Mm-hmm. But it does make me uh, curious to see how and when the rug is going to get pulled out from other under us and what is underneath the rug. Yeah, it's a little weird, isn't it? I, you know, they, they make the connective tissue to Jonathan Groff. After that first trailer, a lot of people thought, well, Jonathan Groff is probably the villain. He's sitting in that chair in the psychiatrist's office. Is he messing with him? What's going on? But then they make that fade in this teaser spot from Neo's mouth being able, being unable to open to Jonathan Groff's mouth being unable to open. And, and look, the word is re- re- resurrection. Resurrection is essentially a reboot. And are they rebooting the Matrix but calling it a resurrection? And is Neo now becoming Morpheus? And Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second is a younger Morpheus. Is he the new Neo? Is uh, is uh, is uh, Jonathan Groff the new Neo? I don't know. This is is he is Yahya Abdul-Mateen playing a, the agent instead of Neo? A lot of people think he's going to be the young Morpheus who becomes this. So are they moving pieces around? Because this kind of fading into the faces into different things. It's very very interesting, and it makes me think that we're going to have like a shell game going on throughout the most of the movie until you figure out exactly what is happening here. Uh, but I like the presentation. I mean, it was pretty unsettling to see Carrie and Moss kind of dissolve. That was unsettling as hell to see that part of this. And you, and you hear Glitch of the Matrix over and over again. You get that Jefferson uh, airplane song and all of that. So certainly this is going to be a mind trip is what you're going in for. Whereas the first Matrix movie did mess with your head, this idea that you might be plugged in or not plugged into this reality this is, seems like it's going to go even deeper down that rabbit hole, so to speak, than than Reloaded Revolutions did. Well, but I think I think to that point, though, I mean, I think even mm-hmm. in what you're saying, you're making an assumption that there is a new Neo and there is a right. new Morpheus, absolutely, and that there is a new Agent absolutely. Smith, and I think that I think that what this TV spot made me wonder is. Mm-hmm. Are we are we so ingrained in this is a reboot? This is the Force Awakens to a New Hope that we are not ready for the fact that that's not what this is like you know Mm. like they're you know in the in the second two matrix movies they really got into yes there are machines versus humans yes there's machine like the humans are powering the matrix and that's the birthing spit stations and the whole thing but you really got into all these other types of programs 
that lived within the Matrix, uh, mm-hmm. including the Oracle, that were kind of doing their own thing and working for their own purposes. And then Agent Smith sort of transcended being a program into this other thing that became a danger to the machines and the humans. So right. there was a lot that was going on there that was really, really interesting. And this may not be what we think it is. This mm-hmm. may not be, well, they reloaded, they rebooted the Matrix, and so... Neo has been resurrected and Trinity has been resurrected and there's a new Morpheus and we're going to see the same thing, but different. Yeah. It might be really, really, really different, which I said, which as I said, is either going to be, holy shit, they blew my mind again. That was great. Or there's a lot of ideas here and it's interesting, but I'm not quite sure how does this all work? So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board for it. I'm very, this, even though this gives me some like, uh, curiosity about where we're going it's good curiosity like i'm i'm excited to see what's gonna happen um but boy it's gonna it's gonna be a lot to discuss that's gonna be a long geek buddy spoiler review I, yeah i got a feeling yeah, yeah yeah i mean there was even a shot in the trailer or in the tv spot and it's quick but you know there uh, maybe this is me overanalyzing things a little bit but there's a shot of Lawrence fishburne uh yes. as, as as he's breaking free when he was taken prisoner at uh at the end of the first matrix so it's sort of like okay right. how, how much are you using the old movies did something happen in this scene where he was corrupted i mean you know there's so it, it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole of what if what if what if mm. but i think that's exactly what they want they want the audience to be insanely curious going into this movie relaunching mm. a franchise that is you know over what almost 20 years old now mm-hmm. um so yeah but matrix resurrections comes out december 22nd and our next tv spot a quick so soon it's so, so soon. soon it so soon. is it oh my gosh it's three weeks three yep. weeks from when we're recording this yep. um our second tv spot is just a quick 30 second spot and 30 seconds is all you need for the audience to get excited more excited about the book of boba fett so it's a lot of the same footage um there is a shot of of boba fett in a back to tank because they don't have carbon health on on tatooine Um, (laughs) but uh you know just the shot of him putting his helmet on is just it's just the coolest thing and even though Tamora Morrison doing the voice of Boba Fett was added after the prequels came out. Mm-hmm. Um, his voice just sounds so awesome now. And, you know, and this line was apparently in the first TV spot. Uh, John and Vogel had to remind me of this, but they're him saying that Jabba ruled by fear. He's going to rule by respect. I mean, it just makes you think of all those great organized crime movies. You think about The Godfather. Mm. You think about uh, the Soprano series on HBO. And it's like, okay, this is going to be the organized crime Star Wars universe, uh, Star yeah. Wars story. Mm. I mean, but gentlemen, what did you all think of our next 30 seconds of The Book of Boba Fett? Honestly, him seeing him in the back to tank with the tube in his mouth got me so like I've never thought that mm. that's the sh- that was the shot that was going to get me. But uh but yeah, I mean just the idea <laughs> that we are going to really kind of delve into we're not going to just gloss over the and he got out of the Sarlacc pit. That mm. I think that like how he got out of the Sarlacc pit, like how he hooked up with Fennec Shan, what their past is. Like I think we're going to as we build out where he's going as he's rebuilding this criminal empire. Um, we're going to also get a lot of those bits of the story, which I think Mm. are going to be really, really interesting. I mean, when you really think about it, and, you know, obviously having uh, Fennec Shan show up in Bad Batch, but even having the young Boba in the Clone Wars animated series, like, we know 
so little of Boba Fett from the actual original trilogy. Mm. Um, he was a he was a straight up badass in Empire Strikes Back. You know, premiered in premiered in the holiday special. Straight up badass in Empire Strikes Back. And then had an ending that left a lot of people wanting in Return of the Jedi. And most of what we know about him and understand from him, in addition to the introduction of his father in the prequels, happened in Clone Wars. You know, happened in seeing a young Boba and understanding sort of the criminal underworld and people he met with there. And so I think seeing that carried over into live action is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, I'm jazzed. And also, I'm enjoying the hell out of Hawkeye. So the fact that I get to ride Hawkeye right into Book of Boba, like, guys, whew, call Carbon Health because my heart is a pitter-patter. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, enjoy, I mean, 30 seconds, and like you said, a majority footage we've seen already. But you're getting – but hearing him say, I am Boba Fett, here, seeing him put on – the helmet, seeing him kind of uh, swagger around this. And then as Michael pointed out, it feels like just like the, this is the pattern of the Disney uh, plus uh, Marvel shows. So and the Star Wars shows as well, the flashback is told over time. Remember the Mandalorian the first season, we didn't really find out his issue with the droids until way later in the show. So they keep you kind of teased with this. And so we're going to probably see episode per episode, little flashbacks, a little more information, a little more of fleshing out who pulled him out. Who put him in the back of the tank? What was all this? Uh, what was all the situation? Why are the Tuscan Raiders being featured so prominently? And shout out to Jennifer Beals. I mean, that woman is absolutely gorgeous. And to even put put like uh, put all that stuff on her, all the makeup and the costumes, and she looks even more beautiful. It's pretty incredible to see. And I'm mean, so curious to see what she's gonna have to say about this. What she's gonna, uh, what her role is gonna be in all of this, and how it's connected. Because they're because they keep featuring her prominently in all these ads. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that as well so what is the process what is the goal and in the end what if he can't corral Tatooine? what if he can't corral this uh criminal empire to do it his way what's the response and, and how many people are invested in keeping things the way they are how many powerful people are invested in keeping the way things are going to be curious to see how many of those people show up to go after boba and is there any chance that lando shows up or some version of lando shows up here with boba is there any chance that's a possibility or no? Probably not, because if okay. this is five years after Return of the Jedi, I mean, they would have to do some serious de-aging on Billy D. Williams. Or, or get Don- uh, Donald. Or get Donald well, Glover. I don't think you can have Donald. Donald is supposed to play the young the young Lando. Yeah. But this would clearly be Billy D. Lando. I mean, like, we've okay. seen Lando in Empire and Return of the Jedi. We know yeah. what he looks like. If all of a sudden Donald Glover showed up, it's like, it, it would break the continuity a little bit. I'm not opposed. Look, Donald Glover can play Lando as long and as much as he wants because he was right. great and he's amazing. Like, I'm down for as many Lando stories. But it's like, because Billy D is is, La- is Lando in Empire yeah. and uh, Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, it feels like he's the one you would want. And I saw him in Rise of Skywalker, and it doesn't yeah. look like five years after Return of the Jedi. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but he's still wearing the same clothes. Uh, I, I will say this. After having seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, the idea of char- of of characters or people who've gotten older or, or or passed away being brought back in a certain way, we're getting closer and closer to that possibility happening in uh, in the films or TV shows just like this, where you don't actually have to get the character; you could just get them to do the voice or the actor, rather. You just get them to do the voice, and the CG and special effects will handle everything else. So, I'm very curious to see how how much farther we're going to go out with this. Uh, technology because it is growing it is moving quickly it is getting better and better every movie and uh we weren't that far away in ghostbusters afterlife but uh, 
from having a person come back fully. And it's insane to even think about. So maybe something will pop up here. I mean, Leia is Leia a possibility as a kind of hologram. You get maybe Billy Lord to do her voice or someone from the Clone Wars is doing her voice or the other stuff. And you have a version of Leia. I mean, they, I mean, Carrie Fisher's family, Carrie Fisher's family and Lucasfilm, I think, Mm. made it pretty clear when they were deciding on what to do with Rise of Skywalker that right. nobody feels that comfortable just sort of resurrecting Carrie Fisher mm. for the fun of having Leia show up. It just seems like even the way that they handled Rise of Skywalker, it's like, I don't think they'll go down that road. I could be wrong. And I mean, at some Never point know. down yeah. the road, we'll we'll see where things go. But yeah. I kind of feel like that's uh, less likely. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. I mean, uh, at, at this point, there are still, you know, just two years ago, uh, the Mandalorian, Mando and Grogu, those are those are original characters. Those are those are right, brand new people. Right, right, right. So I think there's there's a lot of space to create um, uh, new characters mm-hmm. in Star yeah. Wars. I mean, Finnick Shand, you know, this is what this is only she's been around for what two years. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of my guess as well, but I mean I do love the idea of a very DH Billy D Williams accidentally running into Boba Fett at yeah. some point and being like, "Oh yeah, yeah so we uh, that was crazy back there, huh? Yeah. Oh, you lived. <laughs> oh wow, you lived. Uh, okay. I feel a little awkward. <laughs> uh, yeah, and look, and maybe and maybe we will see that. I mean, absolutely, from a technological standpoint, it's absolutely possible yeah, at this yeah. point. Whether or not they, they go down that road. And I do agree with Shannon that I think what... I think so much of Star Wars, and I think we talked about this in the past, that Lucasfilm's mm. problem and Kathleen Kennedy's problem is they're so, they're, they're so worried about deviating too far from what people like about Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're so afraid of deviating. Like, they ended the Skywalker saga with Rise of Skywalker. They were very clear about it. But I think they're also afraid of what comes next because they right. don't really know. And I think what Filoni and Favreau have done really well, even though they have not ventured beyond Rise of Skywalker from a timeline standpoint so far, is that they have done a really good job, like Shannon said, both in the animation and in the live action, that Cad Bane, Ahsoka Tano, Ezra, uh, Ezra Kanan, Hera, Sabine, like, you, like Chopper, you can just go down the list, uh, and now Mando, Grogu, Fennec Shan, like, they they've they've populated the world with existing characters like Boba Fett, like Darth Maul, like some of these characters, but they've done such a good job of creating brand new characters that have us equally as excited. And that is really yeah. that's the bigger win because that's what's going to keep Star Wars going for the next thirty years, not bringing yeah. back more Lando, more Han, more Ob- although to the point we have Obi Wan coming out with uh, Anakin yeah. returning. So it's a little bit of it's a little bit of both. You know, it's a little bit you have to do it in the right way. I just don't think we're done with uh, in no way, shape, or form. Are we done with the Skywalker saga because everything is connected back to the Skywalker saga that's well, coming out. Whether is connected. Not, whether or not they go back on it from a movie standpoint, they clearly. Now, I'm not saying they might. They could very easily go back on it. Mm-hmm. They clearly stated that Rise no. of Skywalker. So was the let me end finish my point saga. before you cut me off here. Uh, Kenobi comes back to Skywalker. Kenobi Tatooine. That's a young Skywalker possibly popping up. Ahsoka Tano is all about the Anakin situation and the repercussions of that. What's that going to lead to there in that series? Uh, what are we getting? Cash and Andor? That is in, in a way that leads up to the stealing of the Death Star plan. So what's going on there? The Bad Batch even is right at the beginning of the Rebellion. So everything is still somewhat indirectly or at least somewhat connected to these events that we know from the original trilogy. When they make a full break from the Skywalker saga and this timeline... 
that's going to be something that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if they actually walk well, back out on that tightrope once and for even Mandalorian is connected. Luke showed up at the end of season two, so it's all connected still. Even Boba being, down Tatooine, that's what was established. So it's all that a time little bit. I think you're being a little bit broad on what counts as Skywalker saga. If he was alive during that time and those planets are around and those characters are somewhat connected to them, that's the Skywalker saga. I so, disagree. Okay, <laughs> you can disagree, but he was around and everything's touched, everything's affected by it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, am I wrong here? Ahsoka, yeah, Vader, you are, I mean, what uh, am I wrong well, just because He's showing well, up all, in the show. But that doesn't mean just because characters interacted with a character. Look, I'm look the Skywalker connected. Well, that's not what you're saying. You're saying it's all part of the Skywalker saga. It's a different thing. That's what's connected I think to the Skywalker that, saga. I think that's that like yeah. there are a bunch of events that happened in the nine Star Wars movies that have come out, and those nine Star Wars movies are the Skywalker saga and are all tied to the Skywalker family: Anakin, Padme, Luke, Leia, mm -hmm. Ben, and their adopted daughter Ray. So like that is all like yes, that is all like what the Skywalker saga is. But Cassian Andor, just because he fought in the rebellion, doesn't necessarily tie him to the Skywalkers. Why is the rebellion happening? Because of Emperor Palpatine. And who's Emperor? Who's in, who's the second in command of Emperor Palpatine? Mm. Vader. That's the end <laughs> yeah. of the Skywalker saga. Right. This is but what again, I'm getting at. It's all connected again, to Skywalker. Is what it, I'm getting at. But it's okay. If he all I'm saying up, is all, yeah, okay. all I'm saying is more broadly. <laughs> I'm saying more broadly, and you're saying Lucasfilm. You know, like Lucasfilm said, yeah. Disney said, "Rise of Skywalker is the end of the Skywalker saga." Right. Now, whether that was a marketing ploy or whatever, it doesn't mean that those characters can never be mentioned again or never show up. Right. But what I'm saying is that what Filoni and Favreau have done quite successfully, even though Ahsoka. Her backstory is absolutely tied to Anakin. She was yes. in Padawan. Ahsoka's journey goes beyond what happens to this specific family. Ezra's journey as a Jedi goes beyond what happened to the Skywalker family. Uh, the Mandalorian, uh, Din Djarin, whatever goes on with him and if Grogu comes back, despite the fact that, sure, Luke took Grogu away from a while, those characters are not tied directly to this one family and this family changing the shape of the galaxy. These other characters that have been introduced in the universe... It, it doesn't matter. It's not. I'm not saying that they, that this means that like the Skywalkers are dead and can never be mentioned. No, no, I'm just I know saying that. that. What? Whereas, whereas the main characters of all of these previous movies have been this family. Right. Yes. We of have created enough characters now that are equally as beloved that they can carry this story forward, sure. and we don't need to see a Skywalker in the movie. It doesn't have to be this specific family anymore as the main characters of this universe. But we're still bringing back Anakin. So we are getting a Skywalker in, in a I, way in both Kenobi wait. and Ahsoka. So my, my overall point is what I'm trying to say here is that it to me, the Skywalker saga is enclosed till they leave this time frame and completely move into another time frame and start over from scratch. Knights of the Old Republic stuff or like the Star Trek Discovery did going a thousand years into the future that to me is where I start to see, okay, good. This is all new. This is all presented. And, and you may get like, you know, historical episode or whatever, but like overall, this is not what it is. So until we move past this time frame, I don't think we're a hundred percent done with the Skywalker saga in my opinion, but you know, we can agree to disagree either way. 
Yeah. Book of Boba Fett starts streaming on December 29th <laughs> I love, on Disney+. I love, the, I love the Shannon McClung be like, but hey, guys, let's hey. move on. <laughs> we spent almost 25 minutes talking oh. about roughly 90 seconds who, of footage. Who said we could stretch it out for 20 to 25 minutes in our texts before we started doing the show? Was I wrong? Uh, <laughs> anyway. And speaking of Star Wars, Mike, I think you got our next story here. I do. Well, speaking of things that go Sky beyond the Skywalker, Skywalker saga, saga. Skywalker saga. <laughs> uh, well, this is a quick one, and there's not a ton to talk about. But Deadline right. is reporting that uh, Ivana Sakno, from uh, who, all, who you might have seen in Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, has been cast opposite Rosario Dawson and Natasha Lou Bordizzo in Ahsoka. So we know that uh, Bordizzo's playing Sabine Wren, uh, if the rumors are to be believed. Obviously, we know Rosario Dawson is playing uh, Ahsoka. Mm. Uh, Ivana Sakno is playing a TBD uh, brand new character. So this is not someone who... Uh, at least is rumored that we've seen in rebels or in clone wars like this is a brand new character for the thing so like i said not a lot known another awesome female um being brought into this world uh but obviously everyone is already speculating is she tied to thrawn is she another mm. jedi is she one of the the uh you know one of the night sisters like there's a bunch of discussion about what she could be um any hopes any dreams any ideas gentlemen <laughs> You know my my and you can't guess. say and you can't say Skywalker Anakin's niece ah no, there it is <laughs> there went my idea uh, <laughs> my guess uh, and this is very very generic but some sort of right hand right hand uh, lieutenant to Thrawn that would be mm. my guess okay. right off the bat because um, again we don't know if she's going to show up with her blonde hair we don't know if she could she could show up with blue skin um, but that's my guess she's gonna be she's gonna be a bad guy okay. All right. Yeah. She seemed, I mean, just, yeah, there's a, there's going to have to be someone for them to fight against. So yes, I think, yeah. I think her being a bad guy is, I wouldn't guess beyond bad guy, but I would guess antagonist of some kind. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, it's not like uh, they're not used to creating uh, really interesting characters in the world of Star Wars here that are female led. So certainly this is an interesting place to have Ahsoka launch a new character a female character here to probably maybe even kind of establish her own kind of following her own reputation the way Ahsoka did within the Clone Wars. So I'm excited for this. She's a good actress. I've seen her in a couple of things. Uh, I saw her in that High Fidelity series before I stopped watching that High Fidelity series. I thought she was good. Uh, I don't remember him. I think I was drunk with Shannon when we saw that movie, Pacific Rim Uprising, from a few stouts. <laughs> So I, you know, I don't remember much about that movie. <laughs> that that sense. that seems like a drinking beforehand movie. Yeah, that tracks. I think. Yeah. So I don't remember her much in that movie, but yeah, certainly a very competent, strong actress, and could be interesting to see her maybe going up against Sabine or going up against uh, Ahsoka. Although I imagine they're saving Thrawn for Ahsoka and Ezra. So I think at some point that could be interesting to see what her, what part she plays. But a second in command of Thrawn certainly is interesting. Very interesting to see how that that plays out. Or could she be an in Inquisitor or one of the yeah. like you said, like one of those. That's a possibility as well as we saw in uh, Rebels and stuff. So yeah. I mean, I don't really know what happens. Well, like I, this might be someone and can probably school me in the comments. But mm. between um, Rebels and post Jedi, what does happen to the Inquisitors? I, right. I don't know if there's a story in the comics that kind of covers this or whatever. But like you know, the Inquisitors are a pretty big deal from like Star Wars Rebels on, as yeah. far as like hunting down Jedi and doing everything kind of between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Yeah. But once we get obviously because they didn't exist but once we get to new hope 
kind of through Jedi, it's Vader and the Empire, and there's not a lot of Inquisitors going around because they are a later addition to the universe. So mm. I'm wondering if that's been addressed, like, because since this is taking place kind of post-Jedi, yeah. uh, is there a chance that we pick up the Inquisitor storyline or see what's happened to them? Mm. But uh, I am sure that has been answered, so please correct me or inform me <laughs> in the comments below. Yeah, and only canon. Only inform us through canon, for God's sakes. Um, all right, anything more on that one, Michael, or should we move on to our next no. thing? TBD, oh. we'll see what happens. Yeah, TBD, looking forward to seeing the first few images of that for sure. Well, let's get out of the world of Star Wars and really separate away from the Skywalker saga. And that's a Nicolas Cage story here. Uh, you know, a lot of people are clamoring uh, within the uh, little uh, bubble of the film-loving uh, community here, the film-voting community, for Nicolas Cage to get a little bit of a rub for his performance in Pig. There have been a lot of few, uh, there have been a lot of critics, rather, who have been expressing their desire to see him get nominated, possibly as a dark horse in the best actor race. So certainly Drew McQueenie, one of the best uh, uh, reviewers out there, uh, was banging the drum for Nick Cage in Pig for sure. But now he is going to be cast, apparently, as the, uh, as uh, he's returned to the big studio. He's going to play the role of Dracula in Universal Pictures' monster movie Renfield. Nicholas Holt is playing Renfield, who, of course, has played Beast. He's, he's uh, in About a Boy. He's in a million really great. He just played J.R.R. Tolkien a couple of years ago as well. And this is being directed by Chris McKay, who did The Tomorrow War, which I liked, and The Lego Batman movie, which I liked as well. So what do we think about this idea that Nicolas Cage now kind of checking the box on all these big, iconic characters? He's, he's voiced Spider-Man Noir. He's voiced Superman. Uh, and now here he jumps into the role of Dracula, I mean, we saw Gary Oldman do an insane Dracula. He'd have to work pretty hard to top that. What do you gentlemen think about Nicolas Cage stepping in here to play Dracula and the chemistry between him and Nicholas Holt, what it might be like? Well, uh, so first, this is not going to be your run-of-the-mill Dracula story. Right. Like the, the way it's being described is a modern-day adventure, modern adventure story with comedic tone. And the fact yeah. that you have Chris McKay at the helm. And also, Nicholas Holt is on The Great right now, which yeah, if you right, haven't great. seen that... It's yeah. on the, the there are two seasons in on Hulu where he plays uh, 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 Peter to Elle Fanning's Catherine the Great. Mm -hmm. And he is very, very funny. Yeah. So the idea that you're going to have a more comedic take on this story, um, kind of like Sancho Panza in the lead here, um, you're going to have a comedic take with Nicholas Holt in the lead and Nicholas Cage signing up to play Dracula in what is mm. ostensibly a pretty big studio movie. Um, I think we're going to have, it, it's going to go one of two ways. Like it is going to be a blast or it could be an absolute train wreck. And I'm sure hoping for the former because yeah. when Nicholas Cage commits for better or for worse, <laughs> I mean, you get, you get a very uh, eye-popping performance. Yeah, Mike, Chris McKay in this, Robert Kirkman producing it as well with David Alper, Brian First, and Sean First. And, and it's, uh, as you said, it's described as a modern-day adventure story, but also the script is being penned by uh, Ryan Ridley, who wrote for Fox's Ghosted and Adult Swim's Rick and Morty. So Shannon's on the right track here. This feels like a little more of a comedic tongue-in-cheek combo with some uh, horror elements as well. I'm just real curious to see what the hell it is. Like, I, <laughs> it's like when you tell, when you say Nicolas Cage is being Dracula, I instantly am filled with dread and not the good kind, not the, not the good vampire kind. But then when you look at, but then when you look at the people behind it and you say, okay, this is what it is. I'm kind of with Shannon. It's like, okay, well in the right context, 
Yeah. Nicolas Cage's Dracula is one of those like strokes of genius because you're like, well, for this version, this is great, but it has to be exactly right. Otherwise, it's just like he he is he's an odd his choices <laughs> of the past decade or so. I'm just like, man. What a journey. Well, I don't know what goes on in your head. I don't know. Like he's someone who's like, like I, I, I wish I could kind of take a peek in his head and just see what's going on in there. But I think that I would probably go mad and not ever come out again. Like I, I it's, it's a, he's, he's working through something. Yeah. So someone was saying that he is apparently building some sort of pyramid for that will be where he gets entombed when he dies. And I, I don't, I haven't verified that, but a couple of people have told me that, and I'm like, this, there's just a certain level of genius in that that I think that is. Sounds, see, wrong monster, it, Nick. Wrong monster. <laughs> a certain, I, like literally, I was like, that's a full Roka move. <laughs> what? I would never. That's ridiculous. I'd have a live funeral, but I would not have a, a entomb myself in a pyramid for God's sake. I'll, I'll say I'll, that now. I'll, I'll, I'll say that now. I'm gonna send. I'm sending a drone over your house later down in San Diego. To see uh, if you can. Building it out in your backyard. I want to get buried in a back to tank coffin. I just want to get buried like I want to get buried in a back to tank with the hat on. With the hat on. With a with a with a scrawled dialogue bubble on the tank. Am I being dramatic now? Well, I mean, Mike, Mike, just real quick before we wrap up the story, you make it. You make a good point here. There, he had been known for quite some time. You know, because this is his first uh, major studio film since 2011. Let that sink in. It's been 10 years that he's been out there kind of, you know, uh, working in the salt mines of independent film and, and smaller films and films straight to DVD and stuff. But over the last three to four years, he's kind of worked his way back into um, consideration for certain roles. I think it started with Mandy and then eventually when he was the voice of Spider-Man Noir and then Color Out of Space, which a lot of people really liked as well. Then you jump into, he did a, the sequel for Crude's A New Age, of course, the voice of the dad there. But then Prisoners of the Ghostland, people seem to like. Willie's Wonderland, people really enjoyed. And then Pig, which a lot of people loved, including me, this year, showing that his talent is still there. And he's coming into a, a second phase or a third phase, even, of his career as he embraces these older roles and plays these characters. So it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Look, I... I think there's a high chance that he's batshit crazy, but I will say, uh, but I will say that <sighs> what he has done, which is really actually quite impressive, which is as opposed to doing the typical studio thing where you're like, I gotta, I gotta, like, I'm either going down the, I'm going to be the bankable commercial mm. action superhero star, or I'm going to be that Oscar guy who goes after those Oscar roles, but it's all big budget studio things, or I'm going to try and be both, you know, yeah. the few people that kind of have attained that level of being able to go back and forth. Yes. And he was like, fuck it. I'm going to go do the weirdest fucking movies that I can find. <laughs> and not only are my fans going to follow me to watch those films, yeah, yeah. but they're going to be kind of into it. And it's going to bring me back around where I went and did a bunch of the shit that was so weird yeah. that I'm back on top, baby. And like, that seems to be the way he's going. So it's like, like I said, I think the likelihood of him being a crazy person is high, but mm. it's a crazy thing that's working for him. So he should just keep, he should keep on keeping on, on that, on that road, because it's <laughs> like, you do, you do you, Nick. <laughs> to to the Vogel, Nick Cage is probably crazy point. Um, yeah. So Seth Rogen wrote a book called yearbook 
and there's an audio version on Audible that is immensely enjoyable. It's just stories of hit from when he was a kid in Canada to mm. when he first got to Hollywood. And they have he he tells a really great story about when Nicolas Cage was possibly going to be the villain in the Green Hornet. Oh, and how, oh my God, that's already a this, better film. Yeah, go ahead. It, I mean, the studio was was very high on the idea, and Seth Rogen takes takes the uh, listener on a, uh, a a hijinks filled journey about what it's like to get Nicolas Cage's take on a, a project that you're working on. Um, so if you, if oh. one, it's a, it's a great listen, it's probably That's a great awesome. read as well, but it, that really great example of uh, <laughs> Nicholas, uh, the inner workings of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's probably an interesting journey trying to get Seth Rogen to commit to a project you're doing for God's sake. So interesting to hear <laughs> the other side of it, to how, how, you know, if he thinks he's a bit out there, he's out there for sure. That's for sure. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic here. Get into this con- this conversation with Amy Pascal. Uh, this big interview she dropped on Monday with Fandango and what she teased uh, overall. Get our reactions to that and then talk about what the what's been happening over the last few hours here where they've been trying to tamp down the expectations of this possible new Spider-Man trailer with Tom Holland. We'll get into it right after this. Do 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 That's the Skywalker saga. I know that anywhere. It's all connected. It's all connected. Come on, man. It's all connected. Let's get into this thing. All right. So on Monday morning, the Geek Buddies were woken up by a text from one of our friends, JG, at 6.30 in the morning or 6.15 in the morning that this interview had dropped from Fandango. Eric Davis over there at Fandango, a guy who's worked. I've admired, I've met and talked to them with him for a few, uh, a few times rather uh, over the last few years. He interviewed Amy Pascal. We're about to get Spider-Man No Way Home. We're literally, I think, two weeks or a little bit over two weeks away from the film coming out. Uh, and she was talking uh, about the process and what it was like to bring the actors back to play these villain roles and how everyone just said yes. She even talked about a live-action Miles Morales possibility that it starts with the story. They're kind of working on that. But the big thing that everybody seized on is there was a question that, that uh, Eric Davis asked her about wrapping this up wrapping the homecoming trilogy up for tom holland because this is the last movie that he is contractually connected with marvel and sony to do as spider-man and amy pascal dropped this bombshell she said this is not the last movie that we are going to make with marvel this is not the last spider-man movie and she said we are getting ready to make the next spider-man movie with tom holland and marvel we're thinking of this as three films and now we're going to go on to the next three this is not the last of our MCU movie. So let's just deal with that bombshell. Mike and Shannon, what were your reactions to it? And what are your reactions now, a couple of days later? I mean, sure. That's great. Like I, every, like everybody, as we, as everybody's been talking about this and I was talking to some other people and I think we've kind of touched on this a few times as we've been covering uh, no way home coming out. Yeah. You know, everyone's really concerned, well, is this the end of Tom Holland? Is this the end of Spider-Man? Is this the moment where the MCU and Sony shift gears to Miles Morales? And like, and some people are saying, I think Tom Holland's probably tired of playing Spider-Man. I think he's probably done. And like, look, mm-hmm. Sony and Marvel are making so much money. Oh, yeah. And you just look at the pre-sales on No Way Home that are rivaling Endgame pre-sales. Uh, there's no business sense in being done with Tom Holland. Right. Like, there, you back the money truck up. And you dump it on his lawn 
and say whatever you want you get like you are you are a spider-man that you know we the toby Maguire trilogy no matter what you think of the first two sony kind of squandered that with spider-man 3 and decided yes. they needed to change it andrew garfield didn't make it past the two and there was a lot of you know people who were not thrilled with how those turned out and Tom Holland and Marvel and Kevin Feige and the MCU, like they have given us a Spider-Man that even if it's not your perfect Spider-Man, even if you don't love everything about these movies, like it yeah. works for everyone. Like this is the most popular that Spider-Man in movies has ever been. And he's been pretty popular throughout. So there's no reason that anyone would say, let's stop now. Yeah. And even with the Miles Morales of it all, in current Spider-Man, uh, in current Marvel comic books, Spider-Man and Miles are running around the city together. There's yeah. there's no reason that you have to follow the story and say you have to lose Peter Parker to gain a Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, if you're a business person, if you're Marvel, you're Disney or anybody, you're like, we're keeping Tom as long as we can. So, like, yeah. I've always kind of assumed that that's where that was going to go. I couldn't mm. see any reason why, unless Tom Holland just despised spider-man which he doesn't seem to right. i never thought there would be a reason that they would call it quits so when she came out and said we're planning three more i'm like yeah of course you are really interesting yeah, i was okay. i was not i wasn't i mean it wasn't like it was definitely news in that right. that had not been confirmed and based on what happened the rest of this week it still doesn't seem like it's confirmed yeah but it doesn't surprise me that that's their intention yeah, let's throw this in, Shannon, to get your thoughts on both of this. Uh, so, uh, the Hollywood Reporter report, uh, reported today that uh, their quote is, Sony Insiders note, though the studio has a strong relationship with Holland and Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige and hopes to continue their collaboration. There are no official plans for a trilogy at this phase. So they're kind of tamping down the expectations. And this, is the, this isn't the first time that Amy Pascal has kind of said something in the Spider-Man connected universe. I hope I could say that Mike in the Spider-Man connected universe here that kind of got her in trouble. Remember she kind of said that Venom and the other film that they were working on at the time in 2017 was in the MCU. And Feige was like, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was kind of shocked. So <laughs> you talk to me, it did Feige do a double take again when he saw these quotes. And what do you think uh, this means that they issued this statement through the Hollywood reporter about tamping down the expectations for another trilogy with Tom Holland. Well, to what Vogel was saying about uh, Tom Holland coming back, yep. like I think now that they've gotten over that considerable speed bump after uh, uh, Far From Home, yes. th I, th I don't think there will be an abrupt stop to okay. the Tom Holland Spidey. I think, they, I think he probably will get to go out like Robert Downey Jr., like Chris Evans. Like, there will be some fanfare as to when it is his swan song as Spidey. Mm. Um, but to what, <laughs> to what you were bringing up about uh, Sony coming out after Amy Pascal has said this in an interview, it doesn't surprise it doesn't surprise me at all because whatever's going on, I think these deals probably aren't done yet. Right. And they probably don't want to advertise something um, before, you know, before uh, the ink is dry on the contract. Also, for her to go on and say, like, hey, we're going to be doing more movies with Tom Holland. No one really thinks they're going to kill Tom Holland in this movie. Right. But the moment you confirm look, there's going to be more, it's like, OK, so we know someone who's surviving. Yeah. Tom Holland's definitely surviving. This is not this is not passing the torch uh, to Miles Morales. So I, I think. Amy Pascal probably gets a little overexcited uh, <laughs> about about the possibility of where they're going to be able to take these stories. Um, but also saying there's going to be three more Tom uh, Tom Holland Spidey movies. Um, 
you know, the MCU, they've not said what's coming yeah. after 2023. So it's exactly. like, hey, let, let, let us do this in our time. That's mm -hmm. kind of my guess. Yeah, I did a, a, a live watch along a breakdown of the interview on Monday for about an hour, just breaking it down sentence by sentence. And to me, if what she's saying is true, and I, and I, Shannon, I think you're absolutely right. I think Sony's like, uh, and Marvel's like, oh, no, 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 slow the, slow the, because then Tom's agents are like, oh, so you want us back? Well, the price is going up now. The price is going to be about 40 million a movie. And so that, that kind of erodes their negotiating uh, stance. And it's really interesting because Amy Pascal, of course, used to be part of the Sony brass, now on her own as an independent producer. So her kind of, committing a studio that she no longer works for and technically two three more movies is a bit out of out of uh i don't know out of pocket so to speak yeah it's not her money that. yeah it's not her money so, <laughs> and so michael's right they're making a lot of money but it's still not her money to be necessarily <laughs> attaching this situation here but uh, my i speculated that if they do go forward with this that this is going to be the passing of the torch to miles morales because tom holland even said in the gq interview recently if i'm still playing spider-man at 30 years old something is wrong uh, and he's not that far away from being 30. So we may get a Peter B. Parker and Miles Morales from the Spider-Verse situation kind of done here in a different way in a live action format here as we see more and more people of color and diversity take the reins in the lead in a lot of these projects. It only makes sense that the world now is ready for a Miles Morales Spider-Man. And if Tom Holland, one of the most gracious actors you'll ever meet, he's so willing to kind of clear the path for it and Amy did mention it a couple of times in this interview. So I, I feel like if they are going to go forward, that's what we're going to see. Or the other thing I said is, and I've been saying this for years now, I think they've been setting up Tom Holland to lead the Avengers. The new Avengers, not the young Avengers, the new Avengers taking the place of Tony Stark, being one of the leaders. The loss of Chadwick Boseman maybe kind of altered that plan even more so in his favor, possibly. And so you're going to need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that stays in the neighborhood that's Miles Morales for now as he gets his uh, as he gets his feet wet being this hero while Peter is out there in space or taking on these different things or, and flying off on these other adventures. That's a way to kind of keep two Spider-Man in possibly the same universe. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. What, what did you what did you guys think? I mean, I don't see this version of Peter Parker ever taking the lead. Uh, I mean, I could see the young Avengers, but right now, remember, Peter's still a senior. Like he's still like he's still a high school student. Yeah. So I mean, I, I do he's think seen the past some shit. He's seen some one hundred percent. But he's not the only person that has. Like there right. are, he does have you know kind of senior members of the Avengers that would maybe be a little more fit for leadership. I do mm. think the passing of Chadwick Boseman definitely threw a wrench in that because yeah. uh, my guess is that he would have done it. Like he, he would have become sort of the de facto leader. Dr. Strange. I don't think you can ever like, he, he's a little bit too much of an agent of chaos. Um, the audience reception. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Marvels does because no one has really mm. been like, Oh, Brie Larson. She is the best. Right, um, like, right. you know, she has not connected with the entire audience. She's definitely connected with her people, mm -hmm. but she hasn't connected in a way that like that, that Tom Holland has, um, so I don't know, like th thinking of our current roster and about who could take the lead, I got to say it's Anthony Mackie. I, I, I think it's really, I, think, okay. I see him being the lead of the leader of a new Avengers okay. team before anyone else. That's, okay. that's my guess right now. I could see that. Mikey, what do you think we, we get in these next three trilogies? And do you think I'm out uh, or next three films rather? Do you think I'm out of out in space with my thoughts? I don't think you're out in space. I mean, I think that I think that when you're looking at the stories that you want with Peter Parker, uh, mm -hmm. given the fact that he is sort of Tony Stark's protege, 
setting him up to be some kind of leader of some kind of group of heroes is definitely a valid story option. Mm. And because of the popularity of Miles Morales, and because we all are expecting that we're going to get Miles Morales at some point, yeah. either the passing of the torch or those two guys working together is definitely also something. So I think, but I think the true answer is unless it's really built in and baked into phase four's plans with Kevin Feige, which I think they purposely don't do. Mm -hmm. uh, like I think if Kevin Feige didn't have this to deal with the Sony of it all, he would have one version of what he was going to do with Peter Parker. Hmm. But because they know that anytime they want to use Peter Parker, they've got to deal with this whole Sony issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that they plan their epic phases around Peter Parker. I don't okay. think that they are going to lock themselves into needing to use him. He's like, the more that we can use Peter Parker, we will use him because he is gold. It's Spider-Man. We mm. want Spider-Man in our movies, but we also want to be able to have the option that if Sony fucking goes crazy and we can't make this work, <laughs> that we can just say, well, Peter's gone. It's right. Falcon and it's the Eternals and it's Shang-Chi and it's uh, it's Yelena Belova. Like yeah. they've got other characters that they don't have to deal with Sony on. So I think they're happy to use Spidey when they can and they want to because everybody, including them, loves Spider-Man. Yeah. But I don't know if they're going to build any major, major arcs of the of the Marvel MCU architecture around him for this exact reason. Um, and I don't think Amy Pascal knows what this trilogy is. I think they're planning it and they're clearly in early stages because there's no deals done. And I think you right. where you are 100% right is... You know, when you work at a studio, a studio is not a monolith. A studio is a bunch of departments, and each of those departments has a bunch of people, and everybody has personalities, and everyone is different. <laughs> and one thing that is true is that creatives on the creative side of the business love to talk to the talent and be like, here's what we're going to do. we got big plans. We're going to do this. And the business affairs side and the legal side hates it when you do that for exactly the reason that you said, which is the second you say to an actor, hey, Kevin Feige and I had lunch and we have got some plans for this next trilogy and you are going to love it. We are going to do this thing. It's going to be amazing for you. You go back to your agent and say, well, they said they got a whole trilogy planned. And then the agent says, all right, pay us a bunch of money. Like, so, you know, you want <laughs> business affairs wants you to be like, oh, we're considering things, but we're happy to do it without you too. Yeah. Um, and even though everybody knows that's kind of a lie, they're like, they want to have as much leverage as possible. So I do think the, <laughs> the fact that this statement that was so very, very dry and legal and business affairs, -y, yeah. Sony insiders, uh, yeah, the, the, though, the, though the relationship with Holland and Feige uh, is good and they hope to continue the collaboration, there are no official plans for a trilogy at this phase. <laughs> it's like, just so we are clear, no. Yeah. Uh, so it, and, I, and I think it's also part of like, there's so, I think that there's so much going into this. I think that Marvel and Sony, a.k.a. Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal probably, had a ton of arguments about mm -hmm. how much to reveal about who oh, yeah. all is showing yeah. up in this movie. You mentioned uh, that, yeah. And I think that there was a lot of discussion about that. And are, we, are people excited enough? Are people... I think there's this concern that are people not sure is this the end of spider-man do they not want to see it because it's the whatever let's be really clear and amy was like we got more planned there's another trilogy it's gonna be great and then sony was like why are you talking so much please stop <laughs> well and look if we take that post credit scene of the second venom movie for what we think it is then Can she wasn't not? wrong in 2017 I, well i know i agree with you but she wasn't wrong in 2017. So the Feige reaction may have been more like 
don't reveal shit that's oh, actually no, coming no. down the road four years later, as opposed to being like, they're not in the MCU. No, what are you no, talking no, about? No, 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 yeah. no, no. I, I disagree know. with that. I, yeah, I, I think okay. that I think that when she said that, yeah, they hadn't made plans for it. They had not made plans. Okay, and I think Kevin Feige's reaction was, <laughs> "I have seen those scripts, and absolutely, that is not part of the MCU." <laughs> and then I think that made ridiculous amounts of money. Yes, and I think that. Then, as Shannon pointed out, they had this whole fight about, is Peter Parker even going to be in the MCU movies anymore? And part of working that out was, hey, you might not like our Venom movie, but it made Marvel money, and we're going to keep going. And if you want to use Peter Parker, then here's how this is going to work. And then Kevin Feige was like, all right, well, we do have a multiverse, so I guess we can do this. (laughs) And I think that's much – I don't – I don't think that they had planned back when that interview happened, when Kevin Feige gave her the double take, <laughs> that they knew that in the post credit sequence of Venom 2, yeah. they were going to all of a sudden be like, yep, it's all connected. Like, I think that that kind of came out of their battles about what Sony and Marvel both plan to do with Spider-Man. Yeah. I, and I think if I'm reading this uh, right, Shannon, that she's saying that she threw a sandwich at Feige when he tried to kind of. Uh, pitch how he was going to reboot Spider-Man or redo Spider-Man that she was in tears about it because she cared, loved the character so much and didn't want to have another attempt at this thing and change it so diff- so drastically, but yet it's totally worked and she's clearly on board. Um, but I also want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, she, she also teased that we might be getting something because so, now you throw everything in, the, and now it's just like, well, how much of truth is she telling her? Because she had, she said we might be getting a uh, some footage from into the spider-verse 2 very soon she said very soon not soon not in 2022 in a couple of months she said very soon what is the possibility that we get a teaser trailer before spider-man no way home oh i think that's highly likely because isn't it coming out december 2022 Mm -hmm. oh yeah i think that i think that's very in play yeah 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 because didn't we get didn't we get that spider-man miles morales thing last year mike in in december or november kind of teasing that the sequel is in motion maybe i think i thought we got that yeah logo yes yeah (laughs) listen i think that probably and i don't like like listen i'll be more than happy to go to see no way home and get a spider-verse 2 trailer so like i'm 100 percent on board for that being true i think it is true based on all of the based on the Kevin Feige, Amy Pascal interview from however long ago that was. Yeah. What has happened this week it is Amy Pascal is just a very excited talker. <laughs> and I think that she is very gung-ho. But as much as I think it is true that she said, we have a trilogy coming out. And Sony Legal and Business Affairs was like, oh, it is equally as true that she could have said, there is some Spider-Verse 2 footage coming very soon. And the team over at Sony Pictures Animation, who is scrambling to get stuff done, was like, why did she say soon? <laughs> like, there's this very, like, we, it could go either way. I mean, they've been working on it for a while, and yeah. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some level of footage done, whether it's footage that they're ready to show, whether it's a full trailer yet, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But definitely, yeah. I can't wait to see what it's going to look like. Yeah, and I think when No Way Home comes out, like I don't think we're going to get any other MCU trailers. I don't think we get a look at Doctor Strange 2 until until after Spider-Man is out because what's going to happen in it seems like it's going to lead into the Doctor Strange sequel. So the fact Mm -hmm. that if we get something like yeah. like to capitalize on the incredible hype that the that this movie is already generating the fact that you want to put a little thing a little into the spider-verse 2 uh that's connected to the print like that makes total sense a lot of eyeballs will see that yeah 
Also interesting, after we just watched, uh, I think all three of us have watched the Hawkeye episode three, a certain somebody possibly shows up and that show is going to be done after Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. So is there any chance that person shows up in all the madness that's showing in Spider-Man No Way Home? I don't know. That's I a mean, possibility I saw, as well. I saw a poster that was like what people, what fans' expectations are <laughs> it was of Spider-Man No Way Home. And it was like the Terminator, the Predator, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, <laughs> yeah. Marlon Brando. Kong was in the background. Like, it was everybody it was, in, Space, in Space Jam too. It was everybody yeah, in Space Jam. It was like, <laughs> I don't... I don't think that <laughs> if that if that is who we think it is, yeah. Uh, I just don't see a reason why they would need to be in No Way Home. Oh, yeah, oh, fair. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I, I, I kind of agree okay. that the the world of No Way Home is going to be a little a little bigger than <laughs> than this very big character. No, fair enough. Uh, anything more that you all want to say on this? Anything more that you anticipate? And uh, look, I want to throw something in. As someone who wor- his w- works on this side of the business, like these questions are vetted before they're asked. Let me tell you that right now, ladies and gentlemen. When you're at that level that Eric is at at Fandango, you're, you present the questions to Amy Pascal and to the publicists, and you let them know. I, I, me, at my smaller level, I get asked by the publicists, what are you going to ask about? What are you going to talk about? This is what you can't talk about. This is what you can't talk about. So you got to sometimes submit the questions ahead of time. And yeah, you can deviate every once in a while within the interview. So to me, although you can say, Mike, that she's, you know, excitedly talking and maybe talking out of out of line here, possibly. Uh, she might have been ready to, maybe she's trying to make this happen. And this might have been a calculated reveal, a calculated push to get this trilogy in motion by uh, seeing, by it's creating possible. the buzz around it. So she, she's, she's a smart lady. So, no. so she may have very well work this out and used a little bit of Fandango to make that I mean, happen and put it out there. Yeah. Let me be clear. Let me be clear on a couple of things. Yeah. I think, I think that if she said it, yeah. there's absolutely been conversations about another trilogy with Tom. Fair like, I don't think, yeah. I don't think that she's just pulling this out of her ass and be like, wouldn't this be great? Like if she's <laughs> no, saying right. they've done it now, Sony might not want that out there because they're right. trying to close deals and they're trying to figure stuff out. So they're trying to tamp it down, but I don't think she's making anything up. Yeah. And I also think that, like, I don't think that this was, like, a gotcha question or she was blindsided no, no, and it just stumbled out. Like, no. I think that in her worldview of where she's at, like, she's really excited about these possibilities and she wants people to be excited about Spider-Man and she threw this out there. Like, I yeah. think that that is what happened. And, like, and I guess my point about the fact that there's different parts of a studio is that this is not rare. Yeah. Like, like the information that's, like, when you are living every day as she is as a producer where I imagine... She has a lot of conversations with mm-hmm. Kevin Feige. She has a lot of conversations with Sony. She has a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Like in her world, the discussions around what they're going to do with Tom Holland post No Way Home are probably mm-hmm. happening a lot to the point where when she's asked in an article uh, or an interview what's happening, it doesn't seem weird to be like, yeah, this is what we're talking about. You guys yeah. should be really excited. It's just that the rest of the company or the rest of the companies are not necessarily agreed on that's information they want out there right now. Yeah, fair enough. Um, one last thing to throw into this uh, in terms of story connected to Spider-Man No Way Home. The numbers were released here for these pre-sale tickets. And uh, apparently this is one of the most anticipated films, not only during COVID, but maybe ever. A number of these showings have sold out. Some of these ticketing sites crashed. 
uh, trying to keep up with the demand. Uh, according to Fandango, they reported that uh, it's pre-sale records. It shattered. Spider-Man No Way Home did. It shattered its pre-sale records for 2021, beating out Marvel's Black Widow. It's actually outpacing blockbuster titles such as Avengers Infinity War, Spider-Man Far From Home, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. It doesn't mean that it will translate to $258 million or whatever that was Infinity War or what have you because of some limits here and possibly the Omicron variant uh, coming uh, becoming something that people are talking about now. But it's incredible to see this kind of buzz especially when people have been saying for for months and well the, the you know the, uh, the 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 pandemic that's why people aren't going to the movie well clearly if people want to go to the movie they will go to a movie so this is uh fascinating to see how big the demand or the uh, expectations are for this movie are you guys surprised by any of this I mean this I mean this is a true post end game movie this is mm. this is oh, good point. not yep. only multiple heroes this is multiple villains like right, this right. is this is kind of unprecedented that you're taking taking elements from franchises past and incorporating them into the most popular version of right. Spider-Man thus far I mean yeah I mean it does not surprise me at all that this is that this is uh, uh garnering the type of hype that it's got got it Yeah, I mean, look, we talk a lot about what Marvel's doing with the multiverse and introducing Mm -hmm. the multiverse, but this is the first time we're getting to see it in action. Yeah. And see, like, I think what makes Marvel so popular and why so many people get into it is because what we're living through right now is something that never has really been done in movies before. Like Mm -hmm. having 20 plus movies and now TV shows where it's all connected and this is one big story that you can track from Tony Stark in a cave... Yeah. To the multiverse opening up and Spider-Man villains from other movie franchises coming together. That's we've never seen a movie uh, franchise do this before. Yeah, true. Uh, true. I mean, let alone a single movie franchise having more than like five or six movies and still be going this strong. So it's like this is what Marvel does is unprecedented. And that this is the first time, as I said, that we and Shannon said that we're seeing characters from different franchises different versions of, of a series that of a character that has been rebooted three times mm-hmm. that our version of spider-man is going to go up against all those guys like it's just it's it's brand new we've yeah. never seen this before on screen so it doesn't surprise me i just hope it lives up to the hype i agree i agree and we'll find out very soon i don't know if i'm even gonna, i'm even going to get a screening for this because uh, there have been a lot of rumors that they're limiting the press who is going to we're going to have access to this film because there are so many reveals within the film so i may be on the outside looking in for uh, for the first time in quite some time at a big uh, picture like this so well and also what happened at the eternals premiere yes Uh, (laughs) maybe we don't want a bunch of reporters seeing this early (laughs) ding those reporters don't ding the rest of us who didn't reveal a damn thing for god's sakes um, all right, well, there we go. That's this episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for watching it. Hope you got your tickets for Spider-Man No Way Home. It is coming out very, very soon, December 17th. So get ready uh, for all the hype there. I'm sure I'm going to come up with some videos to do here on the channel to take advantage of that uh, for sure. And, and we'll go from there. Thank you again uh, to everyone who's watched the show here. And thank you to Carbon Health, who sponsors us very much. And I'll talk about that in just a second. Shannon, what do we have to tell the people? Uh, well, first, uh, you know, there were a couple of fans that, you know, we wanted oh, to yes, give a, a, a quick shout out to yes. one. Uh, I, I met I did not get their last name, but I met a lovely couple named Jose and Alexis at City Walk oh. uh, as we had gone to go see uh, uh, Ghostbusters. And they were just the nicest folks. And also a very 
very uh, uh, dear fan, uh, Carol Tamanian. Uh, we hope you're doing well. You know, we we talked on social media yeah. about some, you know, uh, a loss that you, that you had recently. And we just wanted to let you know that we're thinking about you and we hope you're doing well. Uh, but yes, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Someone's at my door. I'll be right back. Okay, Mikey. Well, uh, if you would like to find out who is at Shannon's door, you need to stay tuned to the Geek Buddies, and we need to keep doing more episodes so that Shannon can get up in the middle of them and run and do things like he is right now. Uh, and so here's how you can help us do that. Oh uh, you can definitely hit the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page where there's tons of amazing content, leave your comments below. Who do you think's at Shannon's door? It's a mystery. Uh, oh, wow. It's a tree. Uh, leave us your comments below. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Uh, what do you think is coming up? What do you think it counts as the Skywalker saga or not. Let us know. Uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it to your socials, tell your friends. And like, as Shannon was saying, you guys have been so amazing, uh, so complimentary, seen so many of, uh, of us on your Spotify lists at the end of the year. Yeah. So definitely keep posting all that. It's really awesome and it makes us feel real, real good about ourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of, look, oh, wow, that was quick. That one, it came ready made. Good God. Look at this guy. He loves Amazon, I guess. Uh, <laughs> speaking of making us feel good, Carbon Health is the sponsor here. They are presenting Geek Buddies, presenting the Outlaw Nation here through the month of December. Can't thank them enough for coming along and sponsoring us here on the channel and this show specifically. Carbon Health is a leading national health care provider with a mission to bring high quality health care to everyone urgent care, primary care, virtual care. They saw how the system almost crashed here under the COVID-19 epidemic and the pandemic, and they saw that an unhealthy population means an unhealthy society and a nation in trouble. So their mission is to solve this, and, and, and they believe that every person deserves good health, so they work tirelessly every day across the country to make high-quality health care accessible to everyone. They have... 24, sorry, they have 90 clinics, 90 clinics in 14 states, and they offer virtual care in 24 states. So go to www.carbonhealth.com and go and see if there's a place near you where you can go visit and get your health checked and get going and being a good functioning part of society. Because uh, we want you to be around listening and watching the Geek Buddies for many, many years to come. All right. All right. That's it from us. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.